Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. You may be seated in your place if you can. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Just want to remind you that before you got in this, this morning, God was already here waiting for you. Waiting for you, waiting for us. We can sense the move of his spirit and his presence in such a, such a powerful way. I don't know how people can say that God doesn't exist or try to even defend that premise. When we can feel him around us, we, uh, we can see his creation. He speaks to us. And in the, the moment when we're, think, when we're thinking that he's not around, we can't trace him. That's when he shows up in a big time. Isn't it wonderful? It's good to see you here today. Good to celebrate the Lord today and to just be able to gather another Sunday. I mean, we're fast accelerating toward the end of this year. This year has taken 10 years. Not 10 months, 10 years. We're almost done with it. Amen? Some of you are, are actually going to skip this year and never even remember it. Lock up all of the photos and newspaper clippings and don't look at them again. Who would have thought that we would be in this year, in a, in a matter of 10 months, seeing everything shut down. Isn't it true? I mean, you can't, the other day, this week, I had uh, an appointment. Usually I'm trying to walk to places now as much as I can. I have been doing that. But this time I had to take the, the, the subway, which has been a long time. In fact, I used my Metro card and it was expired. That's how long it's been since I rode. <clears throat> and I don't mind riding the subways, and I do. But it was amazing the inconveniences that we have, schools opening and closing and the, your favorite restaurant will not be open tomorrow and all these things happening all around us. And who would have thought that a simple uh, uh, microscopic little germ virus, whatever they called it, has paralyzed the entire world. If you've gone to a dentist appointment recently, I mean, they, wear, they dress up in hazmats now. And that's the receptionist when you get to see the doctor. <laughs> Amen. If you try to buy something in the store, people treat you almost feel like you have something you know, wrong with you. But this is the way that it is. But my point that I want to make right now is, who would have thought that in a, in a matter of 10 months? I mean, think of January. We were gathering for prayer, and then all of a sudden you fast forward to now, and it, we're, we're told uh, that there are going to be even more closures coming up. Who would have thought that we would be in this situation? And then it's Christmas. Coming up, so we're, we're anticipating, this is Advent, so this is the second Sunday of Advent. So we're looking forward to Christmas and Jesus being born and we can celebrate and give gifts and receive gifts and cook your, your finest plate for the holiday of, of food, for the holidays and gather with, well, you can't gather with people. But we're looking forward to this, right? But it's, it's so different. You know, you have to, when you're going to go take the elevator, you have to ask permission if you can join that other one person that's there. Because you don't know if you're supposed to do that or not. Uh, we're living in times that are challenging to say at best. But my point is, who would have ever thought that we would be here this December with so many limitations around us? We're approaching here. The, this is the third Sunday of Advent. We're moving forward. High expectations. But isn't there a feeling in the air of something happening? Like something's got to give? Whether you're religious, spiritual or not, there's this sense in the air that something, and I'm not talking about something bad. I'm saying something is, because something's got to shift. It's got to change. Am I the only one that's sensing that? You know, the, the, the enough is enough? 
right? Enough is enough, and we're ready for, for something to burst, for, for something to shower down, for some event to happen that is beyond our mental capacity to be able to understand. Something inexplicable, yet predictable. And I'm glad you agree with me, because that's what I want to preach about today. A predictable event that will happen. And oftentimes what happens, and I just want to submit to you and kind of like neutralize some ideas we have in our minds. Uh, we get so enamored by the seasons that we're in. We get so enamored by the Christmas, for example, that we forget that that is not, actually Christmas is the beginning of God's plan toward mankind. But I read somewhere in Scripture, and I just want to remind us here today, that yes, he came in a manger as a child, as a baby. God became a baby and was born. But I read in Scripture that after the Holy Spirit came down, the Lord said, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to send you the Comforter. He'll be with you and by you. But then he said, I don't know, if you remember, you'll say amen after I said this and say hallelujah. But I remember reading that he said, but I'm coming back again. Yes? Because here's what happens. We get so enamored and overwhelmed by the glow of the manger that we forget that there's an overarching promise that the Lord Jesus Christ made to us that he is coming back again. Now, before you say that's crazy, so was COVID 14 months ago. That will never happen. So was the prediction at the beginning of the year. So don't tell me that just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it is not going to happen. Who would have thought we would be here today? Wearing gloves and masks, worshiping in this place with limited seating. Who would have thought? So, so, so let's follow that same mental thinking. And the church has been saying for so long, but we have forgotten because we're worried about work. We're worried about getting married and we're worried about more vacations. We're worried about increasing our bank accounts. We're worried about more clothes. We, we, we clothe all of this future and we forget that there is a standing promise, predictable promise, that one day we're going to see not an emperor, but the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Not someone with under the, under the title, but the Lord Jesus Christ to come back for his church. Now, years, years ago, I, I remember attending a service when David Wilkerson was alive. He preached in the Light of the World Church here in Brooklyn in, in Williamsburg. And I was a youngster then. I remember hearing him preach. And he says, when you talk about the Lord coming back, second coming of the Lord, which, by the way, is a premise of our, of, our, of, our, of our Christianity. That's what we're anticipating. That's what we're anticipating. Um, and I want to remind you, I'm going to keep hitting that because you've got to anticipate that. He said two reactions will happen. If you're a believer and you know you're all right with God, you're going to be overflowing with joy. He's coming back for us. Amen? How many believers we have here? Then there's that other group of people, which is the second half of the congregation or of the group, that is terrified of the thought that I am not ready. And church, I want to sound the clarion horn today. And I want to just remind you, today is the day to be ready. Not get ready. Be ready because the Lord is coming back. He's coming back for his church. He's coming back to take us ab ab above. 
The whole world has changed in 10 months. Every area of society has been worldwide, not even just here, worldwide, has been impacted. We have thought this could never happen. In our most creative, exaggerated imaginations, we would have never thought that this would happen. But let me submit emphatically, submit to you today, consider it once again, just as he promised Jesus is coming back. Just like the unexpected arrival of the baby at the first Christmas, all of creation is eager today for the deliverance from the bondage of toxic decay, according to Romans chapter 8. Even nature is crying out. As we see a uh, 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 nature and, and uh, uh, discombobulated fires where we never thought there would be, earthquakes where we never thought there would be, that's in here, by the way. Global warming occurring, whether you like it or not, it's here to stay. That's the inheritance we're leaving our children if we get there. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is coming. And you need to be ready today. You need to make a decision today. You need to clear your life today with him because he is coming. It is a predictable event that will happen. I take the reading from Mark chapter 13, verses 32 through 37, as the launching point for what I want to share with you today under this theme. And this is what it says in the NIV, Mark now speaking or writing about the, the Gospels is about that, is about the good news being put in print and then audibly, orally uh, uh, read so that people can get a glimpse of the promised Messiah. That's what the Gospels are about. So we find here Mark in, thir in chapter 13, verses 32. He says, but about that day or but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servant in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. And by the way, the term sleeping there, if we translate it or carry the meaning to today, it doesn't mean to be asleep. Because some people can sleep even with their eyes open. It means disconnected from this reality. That's what it means. Disconnected intellectually, emotionally, socially, in every, in every expression of who you are as a person from the rea what reality? The reality that the Lord is coming back for his church. In fact, whether you believe it or don't believe it, the Lord is coming back for his church. And that's what Mark is writing here. And you read it through the Gospels, and I have some other biblical references to show you. This is going to happen. This event will take place. There will be the sounding of the trumpet. And those that have belonged to Christ and have accepted Christ, that live that life given to him. Now, you don't have to be perfect because Jesus completes the, acts of, the act of perfection for us. Because right away when we start talking about the second coming, we right away start to disqualify ourselves. Right? And, and I got that. I got that. That's our human inclination to find all the reasons why God can't love me. Why God can't accept me. I'm telling you that faith in Christ clears the slate. And he makes up the difference in your life. That's what grace is about. 
Grace is about the Lord making up the difference, but you got to make sure you make a commitment not to go down that path again. It isn't about washing up and then uh, being feeling right and then all of a sudden getting dirty again. The second pastor of this church used to say, this is not a wash basin up here. That you come every Sunday and wash up. you got to make sure you make a commitment to try and live right. Make an attempt and when you fall short, let the Holy Spirit strengthen you so that you can make it through. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering of praise if you can. So this is a fact, Jack. <laughs> a fact. No need to debate it. You can talk about all other things in the church. You can talk about all other things in the social context. But one thing you have to live knowing is that Christ is coming back for his church. I'm not looking for people to join my bandwagon, get on my agenda, this is me, of join with me in the opinion whether you believe it or not. I believe completely. You say he's really lost it right now. All right. I believe, completely believe, Jesus is coming telling you no doubt in my mind i don't know who'll sit in this seat or that seat or there or everywhere i don't know where the economy is going i don't know but one thing i know for sure jesus is coming back i don't know if tomorrow i'll have a headache i don't know if tomorrow my toes will hurt i don't know but i know one thing jesus is coming back i don't know if you'll be happy next month i don't know how the first quarter of 2021 will be i don't know but one thing i know Jesus is coming. And I think what we need to, what I want to have it penetrate in your psyche and in your mind and in your being is to know that fact. Because I know once you say he's coming back, other questions, and I want to address those right now. Other things stir up inside of us. For example, we have to know for a fact that he will return. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 28 is a verse I want to start uh, uh, follow on at this point. And that is that he is returning. He will return. The book of Hebrews is written by an author unknown. Many think that it's the Apostle Paul because of the way grammatically the, the wording and the philosophy and the way his, his outline in writing that epistle is set up. They think it's Paul. We don't know for sure who wrote it. But we know for sure that it's written to, it's called Hebrews because it's written to Jews who received the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, but they were still practicing some of their old traditions and cultural nuances in their lives. And what was one of them? One of them was that they were in expectation of the Messiah to arrive. So here you have these Christian Jews now hearing about the good news, receiving it, semi-embracing that the Messiah had already come to them, but they couldn't get away from the fact that my culture teaches me that I'm still waiting for the promised Messiah. So this dilemma and internal tensions, which, by the way, if you're breathing right now, Everybody has those kinds of tensions in their life. Those kind of, they pull you here and you find rationale for going this way, but then the next day you find rationale for going the other way. You know how you need to li live a life, but then you can't help to go back on the archive of stuff that has happened in your life that draws you away from the Lord. So those tensions are, are, are happen to all of us. And so the writer of, of, of Hebrews is writing to these Jews that had accepted the way, that are dealing with these cultural tuggings inside of them that are kind of straining them. They're waiting for the Messiah, but wait a minute, the, the Messiah has arrived. They're waiting for the light, but wait a minute, the light has arrived. They're going through this duplicity in their lives. 
And so the book of Hebrews, the, the theme of the book of Hebrews is that Christ is better. Now remember, this is important that you get it because I, I don't believe in just diving into a scripture and reading it unless you know the context. That's why I'm giving you a little bit of context right now to understand about this theme of Jesus' is coming. Writing now to the Hebrews. Why? Because the Hebrews were, yeah, I'm expecting the Messiah. No, but wait, the Messiah has come. They were going back and forth. And some of you here today believe that Christ is coming. But wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I need to be ready, but wait, 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 wait. Uh, I, I know that God loves me, but wait, wait. I need another teaching, another preaching. No, the, those dilemmas in life are part of our journey in life, and it's the Holy Spirit that brings clarity to our walk. And so he's writing to the Hebrew audience of believers who were vacillating back and forth whether the Messiah had been there or not. And the theme of Hebrews is Jesus is greater. That's why it says in the beginning that Jesus is greater than the prophets and those in the order of Melchizedek. And he was there in creation and on and on. You read Hebrews and you'll see he's kind of not embellishing. He's just lifting up Jesus to the proper place he should be because he's writing to an audience that wasn't sure about this Messiah. You learning anything right now? important to get that don't just dive into it get this first so in that venue let me read to you hebrews 9 28 the writer says the following so christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and then he says to them and he will appear a second time now wait remember what i just told you a few moments ago developing the platform they didn't know whether the messiah was there or not but now the author, of uh, the writer of Hebrews, under the inspiration of, of the Holy Spirit, is telling them he was sacrificed already, and he is coming back. So if he's coming back a second time as it's rendered in the text, that means there was a, this is not real deep mathematics now. So if we're talking about the second time, that means there must have been a first time. That's not deep for anybody, right? Can you believe I actually? So if you talk about the second time, that must have been the first time. Because he's communicating to the Jews there that you're anticipating the Messiah, but he has already come. And you need to be prepared because he's coming back again. And church, we need to realize the Lord already appeared to us. That's the Christmas celebration. The, the Advent twist to this sermon is we already see the manger scene. But be aware that that is not the all and be all. That is the beginning of God's rescue for you and me. He's coming back to a church to give us our reward for being dedicated to him. He's, he's, he, he's uh, coming back for the church to rescue us from the wrath that's going to present itself. That's what God is doing. And so he says, I'm, I'm, he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation. And there, the term salvation in the original, remember, it's right into the Hebrew audience. So it's not just talking about an altar called salvation. It's talking about the richness of the experience in God. You know, God is not just wanting to have you clap yourself happy in the day. God wants to bless the totality of your experience. Are you following me? So God wants, let me give you, I'll use myself as an example. God wants to bless me spiritually, but God wants to bless me as a man too. God wants to bless me as a husband as well, as a father as well. God wants to bless me intellectually and physically as well. Sometimes we limit God. And, and I think we limit God from a genuine place. You know, I'm saved and I'm, God is in me. I'm born again or the terms that you might use. I have this new life in the Lord. But God wants you to have an abundant life. 
the richness of living. And by the way, I'm going to bust some preconceived notions. God has no problem with you prospering. God is not, has no problem with you having good things. I really believe that salvation brings for us, yes, the assurance of resting with him uh, for uh, eternity. But I also believe that until we wait for the Lord to come, it's okay to live well. Don't get jealous of anyone that is living well. And then don't stifle your future by thinking, oh, no, because possessions will destroy me. No, no, no. If you've got Christ in your heart in the right place and in the right way, those things don't, don't, will never take it to his place. Are you following me? You can say hallelujah if you can. And the, the others of you can say hallelujah too if you can. <laughs> Salvation is the richness and that's what God wants. The fullness of the life experience in your life. Not partial. This is not, imagine if God was only interested in you on Sundays. 11.30, from 11.30 to 12.30. He knows you got to go to work. He knows you got to go face family today. He knows you got to face your co-workers. He knows you got to face your neighbor. We, and sometimes we don't need grace while we're here. We need grace when we get out there. In fact, before you finish clapping, they need grace to deal with us too when we get out of here. Now you can clap. Hallelujah. So when he says uh, to bring salvation to those waiting on him, he's talking about the richness of life. But emphatically he's stating he will return. Case closed. He will return. Get that in your mind. He will return. With the second coming of the Lord also, there is an eternal inheritance that we have. That's also found in Scripture. This predictable event will happen. He will return. But there is intrinsic in that return is this inheritance for all of us. Matthew uh, uh, writes this way in chapter 25, verse 34. He says, then the king will say to those on his right side, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Obviously, that's Jesus speaking. Take your inheritance. I love this part. Take, if you think you're blessed now, just wait till Jesus comes. If you think you're happy now, just wait. He says, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of time. Woo, wait, 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 wait. So before time began, God already had an inheritance for me before I was even conceived. Before you were a cell or a zygote or the beginning of a human being, God already fashioned an inheritance for me. And if it's stored in heaven before time was created, can you imagine if we're getting blessings now inside of this, this dimension called time, imagine the things that God has in store for us outside of the dimension of time. You, 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 wait, wait, wait. It's, yeah, he heals your body now, but in the dimension when there is no time, there is no sickness, so I'll never get sick. I won't need a vaccine. If in the dimension of time when I'm down and out, yes, someone prays for me and all of a sudden the joy returns in my life and grief is resolved, right? But then all of a sudden you have memories, you hear a song, you hear a smell of fragrance, something occurs that takes you back a few years to a hurt, a pain, something that happened in your life and your emotions. But what God has prepared for us as an inheritance, there will be no pain, no sorrow, no tears, no crying, no disappointments, no discouragement. Can you think about that for a moment? I'm getting excited because when I think about my, oh my goodness, if I love the life I'm living now, can you imagine what he has prepared for me when he comes? Before time. Can I talk about time for a moment? 
Do you have time for time? <laughs> time is a creation of God. Time is really a convenience that God provided for us. So that we'll know what time to wake up in the morning, when to have our first cup of coffee, and how to plan out our day. That's what it's about. It's about organization. The sun had to come up at a certain time. The moon had to set in a certain time. The snow appears in a certain time. Uh, flowers blossom in a certain time. So God created time. Time is subjected to him because he is in e an eternal. And to use the word being for God is a word that limits the concept of God. So I, I'm trying not to say God is a divine or heavenly being. That's a limited con construct. He is limitless. He is an essence. He, uh, he is. You don't even have to add any more words to that. He just is. He's, you can't say he's an eternal being or an eternal person. Or, uh, and you certainly can't say thing. He, he, is an, he just be. <laughs> he just is. And so God exists outside of the realm of time, and he creates time when he's, in fact, in Genesis, when it says that everything was disordered in the first part of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, everything was in disorder and in darkness, God put structure in place. And structure for us, the blessing that God gave us is this blessing of time. And in, inside of that, we're able to do what we do and achieve and move forward and cry and laugh and, and enjoy relationships and move away from relationships and do all sorts of things. In that construct of time. And the Bible says that there is a set time for us when we leave earth as well. So time was given as a gift from God simply so that we can be structured and organized. But please understand this. He is not subject to time. Because he is the creator of time. So time exists, sim exists simply because it came out of him. He is not subject. That's why the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Please bear that in mind. When you're talking to him, that you're talking to him in a dimension that is timeless. So he sees you in the totality. It's hard for us to comprehend this concept. It really is. He sees you in the totality, in the totality of who you are from the beginning of your life to the end of your life. And then if you have Christ in your life, even past that into eternity. I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have a hard time just remembering your name that you told me yesterday, and I'll call you something else. God doesn't suffer with that malady. Any, any, any people want to say amen that you forgot? Right? God, when you come to the Lord, even if you haven't called them up in a long time, he remembers your name, doesn't need your social security number, doesn't have to have your prayer. He just knows because he operates in this eternal dimension. You and I have to be reminded. He, uh, that's why the wonderful thing about God, he blesses you in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. In fact, some of the scripture we're using alludes to that. He doesn't have to wait. Well, wait till 9 o'clock when the service starts so that I can bless you. No, he is a God that is watching over. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. Come on now. Hallelujah. Outside of the realm of time. Time was created. God created time for us. He's not subject to it. And it says that God has prepared for us in that dimension of timelessness an inheritance. And I'm smart enough to know the following. That when God has something for you, and, and, and it is for you, but an inheritance denotes the following. You don't have to work for it. An inheritance denotes that whether you want it or not, it's yours. That's what inheritance implies. 
But it also says the following. No one can take it away from you. So don't get mad at me when I'm blessed. Don't get mad at your brother and sister when they're blessed, when they prosper. It's just they have an inheritance. And you need to be encouraged today that you might go through stuff and things. It isn't that God is punishing you or trying to get, get you. you. No, 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 not that at all. God has an inheritance for you that is yours, your name. As Shirley uh, uh, sings that song, there's a blessing with your name on it. And God has it reserved for you. And no one can take it away. Now, the enemy may try. Life may try to take it away. But we'll not be able to do that. It's been prepared since the beginning of time. No one can take it from you. That's the reward that we have, Matthew says to us. When this king will arrive once again. When this Lord will arrive one day. That's why it's going to be a wonderful celebration as we go before him. So he will return. There is an eternal inheritance. But look at this third aspect I want to share with you today. And it's in the text that we just read. Verse 32. It says, but about the day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son in capital letters, but only the Father. In other words, he's coming. And, and, but it, there is a time, there is a set, but the only one that knows it is God the Father. Let, let me pause there for a moment and contextualize this for a moment. The minute you hear somebody tell you that they know, you're having a conversation with a false prophet. And if it isn't God, you finish the sentence where it's from. And we're living in a time of prophetic pollution. Yes. Prophetic pollution. It has to be. Prophecy will never contradict Scripture. Prophecy will never operate outside of of scripture you don't add what's in here already this is what god wants us to know and this is what we believe operates to uh, keep us uh, in check and allows us to live a life of match of maturity and so we need to be careful in the times that we're living church right now i'm, I'm hearing uh, I, I, I mean it's almost comical but i'm hearing you got to be careful because the vaccine you can't take the vaccine because that's a sign of the beast where did you get that from who, who what bible are you reading and by the way, we're laughing, but that's the conversation. And then what happens is people that are innocent, well-intended, well but innocent in, in their experience, will take that to heart. Will take that to heart. If you, don't, if, you don't, if you don't vote this way, then you really can't be a child of God. Come on, what are you talking about? What Bible are you reading? What book are you looking at? And so prop, we need to be careful with prophecy. And I like the way here it's, it's rendered. Mark says it very emphatically. No one knows. The minute someone starts saying they know, and I, and I, I didn't want to preach five hours so because I, I was compiling a list of all the people that prophesied that the Lord was coming and they failed. The list got so long, it, we would have been here for nine hours. It would have been a three-credit master's level course. <laughs> you, you've heard them. Church, chill out. He's coming. No one knows. The minute someone says they know, run from that person. Check out of that conference. Get out because no one, the Bible says it very clearly, the Father knows. The Father knows. He knows the time and the moment. You cannot pray the Lord to come. Come, Lord, right now because I, well, sometimes those desperate prayers are because we're in a pinch. Take me out of this right now. Take me because if you don't take me, I'm going to hurt them. <laughs> you can't pray that. God, 
creator knows. He's the one that's going to determine. And we need to be careful, particularly in the times that we're living. Because I believe now more than ever, we are, we are getting closer and closer to, this, to the coming of the Lord. I don't know when it's going to happen, but some, something's in the air. Something's got to give. We have to be careful, church, to stay aligned with Scripture, to stay aligned with what the Lord is telling us. And what we don't understand, don't teach it, don't share it until you got it resolved, until the Holy Spirit has it resolved for you. Some people are trying to explain things that they don't even know what they're talking about. The Holy Spirit will guide us. Be careful. Just know that he is coming. Ignore those that say they know because they don't know. If someone predicts the date and the time of the second coming, then you are speaking to a false prophet. Don't worry about the when. Don't worry about the when. Just, just enamor yourself with the fact that the Lord is coming. The text that we read also renders to us a process that we need to follow. If you look closely at the verses I've selected in Mark 13, verses 32 through 37, it, it highlights for us that we should guard, we should be in alert, and, uh, alert, and we should be in expectation. We should be ready in expectation. Not, don't give God your list of why, 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 uh, the reasons, the list of why you can't get into heaven. No, you know Jesus in your life. Is, is, are you done? Are you 100% perfect? Are you, is, everything is resolved in your life? No. While you're alive, there's going to be things that... Um, don't raise your hand, but how many people slip and slide? Slip, slide, in the way. No, no, wait, wait. <laughs> get back on track. Fall down, but don't stay down. Get up. Get up. Even injured, get up. Even limping, get up. Trust the Lord. He's going to help you through. Even, even if you're still in a, a bad situation, get up. You're still in a bad situation, a bad relationship. Get yourself up. That's what's important. That's where you open the door for the Holy Spirit to come and work and fix it up. We have to be on guard. And church, you know this is true. I may not have made too many hallelujahs right now. But you know the area or the things or the people that get you down. You know those friends, those relatives, those co-workers, that if you spend three minutes with them, you got to go not only take a bath and shower from head to toe, but you've got to go and confess and be, bathe yourself in the blood of Jesus because you went down. Don't look around. Look around. Don't look around. You know it's true. You got that person that the minute they text you, they email you, you say, oh, boy. But here's the real clincher. You like those conversations. Yeah, you like those relationships. We got to be careful. Being on guard means, you know, I got the money to do that, but it's not good for me. It's not good for me. You know my story, my, year, my lifelong story. I love the donuts with the with sh confectionery sugar. Love them, love them, love them, love them. Years ago, you give me a box, I'd eat a box with like three dozen. Then I'd be sick for like five months. <laughs> love them. Until this day, don't give me any. Don't, don't, I don't want to open Christmas gifts with, with the sugar coated. Don't love them. Even if I have money to buy, I go to Dunkin' Donuts, Cre Cre whoever it is, Krispy Kreme, Venerio, and I see them, even if I have them, I know if I buy them, and you say, well, you know, I just want to look at them. Come on. <laughs> if you're like me, you want to take the donuts and just smear it all over your skin. You know? <laughs> and you know that there's some people that are so toxic. Come on. If, if we're waiting for the Lord, I got to be ready. That doesn't mean hate on anybody. Don't hate anyone. But there's certain adjustments we need to make. T.G. Jakes talks about that, right, extensively on repositioning yourself. You got to read. There's some relationships that are not good, not good, not good. And you're not good for some people either. 
So you got to make those determinations in your life. Be on guard. Don't let the enemy fool you. Fool you once, but don't let him fool you the second or third time. You got to be, and then be in expectation. Don't lose that hope. Don't, don't fill yourself with stress and tensions. Be in joyous expectation of the Lord. And you say, but, but I, I haven't done whatever it is that I wanted to do. Trust the Lord. He knows what's, what, what's best for you. And you say, yeah, that's easy for you to say. How do you know that? You can't read my mind. You can't read somebody else's mind. Oh, when I get married, when I make my first uh, promotion, when I whatever, when I, my, my first uh, invention is approved, when I move to the bigger apartment, when I have that house in an in-ground pool, great to think that way live like he's coming later on but be prepared today don't let those things own you don't let relationships own you don't let career own you no 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 let jesus own you <laughs> let jesus own you decide what paul pauline theology i decide i love this i love this because it's hard but i decide pauline theology paul he says i decide to be a slave i decide Nobody subjugates me, but for the sake of him, I decide. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I don't know if you got that. Maybe let me tell this side. <laughs> decide to be a slave, Lord. Let me be in bondage to you, Lord, and not to sin. Let me be in bondage to you and not to, uh, uh, and not to passion. Not be in bondage to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That, that song, right? Oh, my gosh. I think I'm going to start going crazy crying. That song that says the God that just takes you apart. I'd rather God take me apart than the media. I'd rather God take me apart than somebody accuse me of something that I've not done. I'd rather, I'd rather go naked before the Lord. Here I am, Lord, an open letter. Let him, because if he takes you apart, then the enemy will not be able to take you apart. If you go bare before him, hallelujah, Bear before him. I was talking to a pastor. I got, I got to go off for a moment. Talking to a pastor a, a few days ago. And I was telling him, you know, going through a lot of stuff. I says, some people just can't deal with the amount of discipline you have to have to occupy a pulpit. Don't, don't, don't they, you may have, you may be charismatic, gifted, speed, what all that. But you don't, you don't have what it takes to, to, it's tough. But not impossible when you surrender yourself to the Lord. You can make it in the state that you're in. Just decide to be a slave unto the Lord. Decide to be a servant of the Lord. Serve the Lord. And you'll see he'll get you through. He will get you through. I'd rather God take me apart than somebody else. And we see that, 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 that we have to be on guard. We have to be alert. That means you don't know. How many people have gone through a trial, tribulation, sickness, or a storm? Every hand should be up. Right? Put your hands down now. There are other storms brewing. I would be lying to you if tell you that was it. You're not having any more storms. Be alert. They're going to come. But Jesus is coming. The enemy will present himself again. But Jesus is coming. In fact, let, let me wrap this up. It's, in fact, not only do we have to be on guard and alert and high expectation... We have to go through the process that I teach you so often here. Confess, commit, consecrate, celebrate. Every day I do that. Confess, commit, consecrate, celebrate. Every day I do that. Confess, commit, consecrate, celebrate. Every day I do that. Confess. Hallelujah. Every day. Confess, commit, consecrate, celebrate. Every day. 
Because I know that inside of us, unless managed, there's a monster waiting to appear. So be on guard, alert, and an expectation. But Jesus himself, my closing point, in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 20, uh, 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 John writes the book of Revelation. And in his uh, writings, he sometimes refers in the third person. But also, you hear him under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit speak a word that Jesus would have spoken. And this is one of those places where we find that John is quoting the Lord. And this is Revelation 22, 20. He says, he who testifies to these things says, and this is Jesus speaking, yes, I am coming soon. So, so we, can, we can derive from that. It's not only that we as believers should be in anticipation and expectation of the Lord coming, but Jesus himself is also desiring to come and pick up his bride. That should serve as a way of encouragement for us because he is not, not wanting to come. He is desiring to be with us. Remember, according to Henry Nouwen, we are the beloved of the Lord. We. Henry Nouwen, read it. We are the beloved of the Lord. In other words, God is madly in love with you. With me. Regardless of what you've done or how bad you've behaved. He is madly in love with you. So much so that he allowed his son to come. We'll celebrate Christmas soon. Because of you. Because of me. Jesus desires to come and get the church. And then he says, uh, yes, I am coming soon. And the response that John shows us in Revelation, amen, come, Lord Jesus. And I believe that's the declaration that the church of Jesus Christ needs to have today. It's not who is sitting in what seat of power and who got in or didn't get in or whatever it might be. Tired of counting already. Let's get over this thing already. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. None of, that, none of that is important. None of that. Today, I read yesterday in the paper, now they're having a fight that Jill um, Biden, whether she should use her earned title of doctor or not. Come on, of all the things, people are on lines trying to get food. And we're talking about whether this woman who earned her degree, all the guys use it. What's the problem here? Are you following me? But, but the thing is, we worry about that. We, we, I, I want to be ready. Those things are important, but there's people outside that aren't eating. Right now, Vision Urbana is being recognized because of the level of food that we're taking to people that are in need. That's powerful. Recognized citywide. This little fledgling organization. And we're worried about people. How, what, what, please give me. Let's get over this. Let's move on. Let's move forward and try to build our world back again. I believe it starts with the church. That's why I think this sermon is so important. We need to realize, church, that we're, we're passing through, but the Lord is coming to rescue the church. While we wait, we need to be ready individually, but we also need to be ready corporately. The world looks to us to, to uh, address the issues of society. Us, if we don't respond as the light, we say we're the salt, but are we? We say we're the light, but are we? The Lord is coming, but that doesn't mean don't do anything. While we wait, we need to be serving. 
We need to galvanize as a people, a men, women, and young people in this house and move forward and continue serving because there's people that are hurting outside. And even in our house, people that are hurting, uh, the calls that we get about people and unemployment and all this stuff going on. And we, we're, we're fighting and discussing trivial things. Jesus is coming. I need to be ready. You need to be ready. There's room at the cross for you and for me. We can be ready for this predictable event that will happen. Let's bow our heads. Father, I I just thank you for your presence in this place. And Lord, you know, every time I talk to you, it humbles me that you would even listen. It humbles me that you would even recognize me. But I stand in the gap, Lord, for this church, my precious brothers and sisters. Lord, we're navigating the most challenging times we've ever seen in our life. But you haven't changed. You are the rock that holds us. You are our foundation. Lord, I pray right now, I've shared in obedience to you. But my precious brothers and sisters here and those listening to us on the other side of that camera, that when they hear about your desire to come back for your bride, It creates fears in their hearts. Lord, you're not out to condemn us and destroy us. This time of leading up to Christmas is all about you loving us. So I pray now, Lord, for this congregation that we might, yes, be on guard and alert and expectation, but today we we confess our frail humanity. We miss the mark. We think things we shouldn't think. We say things we shouldn't say. And then even worse, there's things inside of us that we share with no one. Today, Lord, we want to be the bride, the bride of Christ, the beautiful church. Help us, Lord, to totally embrace that fact that you are returning once again and that we might be ready for you. Throughout this sanctuary, I want you to stand and just keep your eyes closed and lift up both your hands to the sky. I want to pray your prayer of confession. Just lift up. Don't look around. Just stand and lift up your hands. Lord, we miss it sometimes. Our anger gets the best of us. Sometimes words come out that we wish we could take back. We hurt others. We offend those closest to us. And in turn, we offend you. There are many here that are ready for you to come. Let it be today. There are others, Lord, that have struggled 
feeling left out, second-class citizens, or even they, they're involved in a situation that they can't break immediately. Father, extend your grace to them right now. You understand. Extend your grace and strengthen them. Look through our tears, Lord, and the brokenness of our heart. And let us realize, as, as Henry Nouwen so eloquently wrote, Lord, you love us. We are the beloved of the Lord. And in spite of our failings, in spite, Lord, of the strength of the human factor inside of us, there is a sincere desire, Lord, to be that bride of Christ. I lift up my hands, Lord, and after this moment of confession, Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit just cover us with comfort. That man listening to my voice right now can feel your comfort. That wife, that woman, young woman, that young person, that leader called to ministry, Lord, but, oh Lord, engulfed right now in turmoil internally inside. I send your peace that surpasses all understanding. That we might decide to be slaves unto you, Lord. Decide, Lord, to bow down before you. One of the wonderful things, Lord, about you is that when we get to that place of brokenness, when we get to that place of confession, you're so wonderful that you reestablish us and you even give us more than we ever thought we were giving away. The things that we yield to you, you give them back to us many times over. We just have to get to that place to trust you. Cover us, Holy Spirit. Cover us, Lord. Cover us, Holy Spirit. I sense the Holy Spirit has filled this place. You don't need to deal any longer feeling like a second-class citizen. You're a child of God. You don't need to keep reminding God of your last mistake. He doesn't look at that anymore because all he sees is blood covering it. You don't need to bring it up to the Lord anymore. I believe, totally believe that I'm speaking into your heart right now. This is the day for you to relaunch your future. Relaunch it. Don't think limitations. The Lord is coming. But work. Serve. Yield. Work. Serve. 